Coming up on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. I don't tend to get an awful lot of abuse, but I will say if I go into a room, um, I can look around the room and find the person who blames me for either a wedding that went wrong or, you know, the, the bouncy castle that was ordered and then had to be dried up. <laughs> uh, you can see them scowling at me from yeah. across the room. Yeah. I say, yeah. <laughs> and so I wonder what it could have been that I ruined for that person. You know, it can't be easy being a TV weather forecaster in Ireland. I mean, there you are doing your best to decipher all the uh, best data and scientific modelling out there just so that you can let the good people of Ireland know uh, whether it's going to be raining or not tomorrow. And basically you get blamed for every drop of rain and gust of wind that occurs. But despite all this, my special guest on today's episode just loves what she does. Joanna Donnelly is a very familiar face on our screens. She is a meteorologist for Met Erin and RTE and has just published her latest book, From Malinhead to Mizzenhead, A Journey Round the Sea Area Forecast. She's also, as it happens, a great fun character. And we had a lot of crack chatting in the studio about all sorts of stuff, including why she loves her job, being in the public eye, her views on climate change and challenging times she has gone through in her own family life. My connection to the weather all started on a misty day in Halloween when I walked from my home in Finglas into town in the mist and I just got this feeling of this is Ireland, you know, this is misty, misty, dark Mm. October weather and no wonder we invented Halloween. As soon as that little line appears, it's not just a pregnancy, it's the future life of the person that you're going to get to bring into the world. And when it's gone, it's devastating. I did get a a tweet once warning me not to go out alone. And I thought, well, hold on a second. That's actually not allowed. You're not allowed Hmm. to threaten somebody. But is there a kind of a characterisation of a Dutch person? Straight talking? Oh my God, so straight talking. Really? My sister-in-law came into my house and she said she didn't like my dining table. (laughs) I've just bought a new dining table and my sister-in-law came in and said, I don't like it. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Wow. What, What freedom. And now for some comedy, of course. Um, before Joanna Donnelly uh, uh, the Mario Rosenstock podcast of course also features an exclusive comedy sketch for you by me every week and and we're very proud of that that we managed to produce that and this week again it's a Halloween themed um, uh, sketch because uh, a lot of the podcasters including David McWilliams are theming their podcasts around the upcoming Halloween all set to go with the Halloween special David all ready to go John can't wait Uh, David look yeah I know we've had our differences um, recently. Can we just, you know, keep it to economics this time, please? Of course, John. Sometimes I get carried away, you know? Okay, great. So, just economics then. Halloween economics! Here we go, David. And cue David. How are you doing? Uh, Welcome to the pod with myself and Johnny. Uh, Halloween's coming up and the Irish economy. You know what, John? It reminds me of Halloween, John. Why? Because it's scary. (laughs) Oh, very good, John. No, but why the budget happens around Halloween? Why does that happen? Mm. Because 
We are bringing in the harvest. Oh, really? Is that it? Yes. Yeah, never we knew that. We need to take stock of what we have in the community yeah. and what we need to feed our population. Yeah, the Feast of Samhain. I remember I was reading an interesting myth. And I remember bo- Halloween bo- 1983. Bo- 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 Myself and Rats are Shaughnessy, oh, dear. No, no. We built a bleeding bonfire down on Voigo Road. No, David. Four times the fucking size. Oh, no. And I had a shite at sea down on the bleeding north side. Oh. Then we get off our tits, Johnny boy, sniffing please. whatever petrol was left over from the bonnet. You never did. Shotgun a few cans of the elephant blue from the curls bag. And built down the fucking Park Kenny's house in English. You hear him and Cathy. Then the best fucking part of it is oh. we call out the fire brigade. <laughs> and we'd fucking knock seven lumps and show you with him. Before being thrown in the fucking paddy wagon, I was in the joy for two weeks, Johnny. And that's where I started and they had it with me. Oh, John? John? <laughs> and that's the great David McWilliams with his um, ever patient um, sidekick, uh, John. And we're excited at the Mario Rosenstock podcast to be nominated again for the second year in a row, for the best comedy podcast in the Irish podcast world. Um, we were honoured um, to win um, gold last year, so we have big boots to fill. Um, but whatever happens, thank you for listening, for being a loyal listener to this podcast, and for supporting us all the way so that we can uh, continue to put out our exclusive comedy sketches every week and meet you uh, and interesting, new and interesting um, guests. And meet you, of course, by virtue of you emailing me, mariorosenstock at gmail.com. I read them all. Please, your suggestions, your compliments, your negatives, constructive or otherwise, and uh, suggestions for guests, if you like, uh, please do get in touch. I love hearing from you. And please do tell one other person about this podcast. So, speaking of great guests, let's get straight over to to Joanna Donnelly. We recorded this interview before the big rain this week uh, and the flooding, so we didn't get to talk specifically about that, but we do talk about the weather in general and why we're so fascinated by the weather in Ireland and why weather forecasters are basically celebrities here and lots, lots, lots more. (laughs) Joanna, so like, I mean, obviously it's Ireland, you're a weather forecaster, so unlike Saudi Arabia... Where a weather forecaster <laughs> probably wouldn't become a celebrity. <laughs> Definitely not a female weather, yeah, course, yeah, weather yeah, forecaster. I, I often never thought about that, right? What a dead-end job a Saudi Arabian weather forecaster yeah, has. And there's probably a lot of places in the world. I mean, it's not so much uh, a challenging thing in, in many parts of the world no. where anti-cyclones rule. Yeah. But uh, here it's, you know... But in just Saudi Arabia, it would be Scorchio. That's all it is. It is. And I, uh, I don't think it even features, actually. I don't think it's... They a, don't even do the weather. No, I don't think so, because it's the same. They just it's go, the same and that was the news. The that rest, the you news. know yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ali Look out the window. <laughs> it's the same as it always is. And that yeah. was the news. Look yeah. out the window. Yes. And that's their, that's their weather. That's the, I, yeah. I imagine so. But I've never is, actually been. But this is different. This is Ireland. Yes. And of course, we're, we're obsessed yeah. with the weather. Yeah. And so are we, do you think, in Ireland, more obsessed with the weather than other countries? I think people are the same everywhere in the world. And I think the opening conversation for small talk is going to be a nice day um, because we impact, the weather impacts us how we live wherever we live. So I think as individual human beings, we're all the same. But in Ireland, the weather does change much more rapidly than in other parts of the world. So frontal systems fly through Ireland in a matter of a few hours and they don't actually do that elsewhere. Right. They run up against anticyclones, they slow down and 
it could rain all day. You've lost me already. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. And um, and but you are a meteorologist, yeah. Yeah. Now you see, some weather forecasters aren't meteorologists, right? Um, if you're calling yourself a weather forecaster, weather person. Weather person, yeah, no, you don't have to be a meteorologist. Exactly. So, in other words, I'm not casting aspersions on it, but I'm saying some people, there are some people who do the weather. Absolutely. And they're not weather people. They're not meteorologists. Yeah. 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 And some people that present the weather present it so well. You know, (laughs) who who would know the difference? And some weather enthusiasts are so enthusiastic and so well informed who would know the difference. But to be a meteorologist, you need a professional qualification. Um, I have one of those. And where do you get that? Well, I got mine from the British Met Office. There are various places. The British Met Office. British Met Office. The British Met Met Office, Mm. because they have a college. Mm. It's called the British Met Office College. So they have, I mean, no surprise, the UK is slightly bigger than Ireland. Mm -hmm. So they have more resources and that sort of thing. So, and each of their, the British Met Office is actually part of the Department of Defence in the UK. So that has some extra resources as well, as you yes. probably can imagine. Yes, so it's a, it's, it's, is, it, is it a to all intents and purposes a kind of scientific degree? A science uh, my, degree? My, my original Pers- degree is maths. Okay. So I have a maths degree. Yeah. And then my professional qualification Ooh. beyond that is the... Mathematics? The mathematics, yeah. Jesus. Despite the, despite the looks there, you know. Are there some... Are there some over? Are there some? Oh, absolutely. Over, overlaps. Oh, absolutely. Um, meteorology is maths and physics. Is it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Wow. And my first book, it's, I wrote that uh, mathematics is the language that science speaks, and I, I, I'm actually quite proud of that. That because that is it. You know, at the fundamental basis of all of what we're doing. Okay. It's mathematics. Who's the rock star of meteorologists? Me. <laughs> Beyond you, when you're. Oh, when, uh, oh God! Who's my? Well, in in Ireland. Ireland. In Ireland, I would say uh, Dr. Aidan Nulty. Dr. Aidan Nulty, yeah, right? Yeah. So he, he was, would have he, been, used to, he had a bit of a look on his face when he, he came on. He was brilliant. He was brilliant. It was my pleasure to work with him for years before his retirement. Uh, mm. He was a great man as mm. well. He was so generous with his um, guidance and time in the office. Yeah. But he was such a unbelievably excellent communicator. Yes. He could cut the message down to three words and yes. you knew what was going to happen. Yes. So if I were to try to ever emulate anybody, it would be Dr. Aidan Dr. Aidan Nutty. Yeah. I remember him yeah, well. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. I remember the fellow, these were the fellow that used to, used to give you an old wink. Jerry Fleming. Jerry Fleming. Was my uh, boss, actually, previous to Evelyn. And he used I, to sign off with a wink. He did. Yeah. He did. Um, I have been guilty of doing that as well, but I'm a winker, and so was Jerry. You're walking down the street, you meet somebody. Some people wave. Their Are hands, you a winker? So I'm a winker. Give us a wink now. <laughs> just, yeah. just say, just but say. No, because I'm. I, just I say the risk rising. Of you risk. No, no. You just that. say rising slowly and give me a wink. I know you don't say about rising slowly and then give a wink. <laughs> Uh, you say rising rapidly. Whoa, there she <laughs> then is. You're in. That was saucy. Yeah, but the, but you know some people just do that, don't they? Um, I, you, Michal Mar was talking about talking with his hands. I talk with my hands and my face. Yes, you know my face is going all the time. You know, it's I my contention in. that people who talk a lot with their hands are very intelligent. I heard that. And I like that. <laughs> it is. I, I, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I lo- I'm a bit of. Um, I love I love studying humans. I oh, love clearly. Yeah. I, I love watching people. Yeah. Um, hence, kind of my profession in a of way. Course, but, but even yeah. related to that, I've always enjoyed watching people. Yeah. I remember reading um, Desmond Morris's uh, Man Watching when I was about eight or nine years of age and being completely fascinated by the human condi- by human beings. Yeah, I remember even stories that stuck with me to this day, even forty fucking forty four mm. years ago, and mm. the idea that um, what did you ever notice when a human being eats alone? Okay. All right. We generally don't eat alone. It's usually okay. We yeah. normally eat. Yeah. We no- yeah. And of course, the idea of eating together is so we protect our food. 
So when we go into a restaurant, you and I will often face each other. Okay. So that you're looking over my back and okay. I'm looking over your back. Very so, good. So, yeah. that, so that the hyenas don't come creep come up on you. Come take our food. Bit. Yeah. But also, have you noticed in, it happens in fast food joints. I'll, I'll do an impression for you, right? So yeah. here's a person in a fast food joint on their own eating a hamburger. Okay. Oh, I know so what get, you're going to do already. Go they get on. the hamburger, yeah. right? They yeah. get the hamburger. See this, Ed? Look, they get the hamburger, right? Yeah. They go. They go. You're absolutely 100% correct. They do exactly that. Yeah. They put the, hamburger, they put the burger in their mouth and they look straight around. Wow. Yeah. We don't know you're doing that it. That human condition. It's the human it's condition. Cool. You, you look straight around because you are looking for, for, for prey, for, for, for predators yeah, who for are going to take your burger. And that's my youngest son trying to eat a steak with my second son mm. sitting over his shoulder, eyeing it. <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 eating that. You can have my green beans. No, yeah. I want the steak. Yeah. I'm eating the steak. Yeah. yeah. So Dr. Exactly Aidan Nulty. Yes. And Dr. Gerald Fleming. Yes. Um, and with the wink. Yes, Gerald. And yeah. uh, any foreign weather forecasters? Yes. Uh, there was a uh, Francis. God, what was oh it? yes, France. Oh, Francis. Oh, saucy Francis. Francis was brilliant as well. Was he a though. meteorologist? He was. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was and sexy, a brilliant though. meteorologist. He was. He was the thinking sure meteorologist was. crumpet. He was. He, Francis was definitely easy on the eye for sure. Yes. But from my point of view, what I really liked about him and what I try to do when I'm on um, air myself Mm. is put the audience in a state of trust and relaxation so that they will listen to me and believe me no matter what I tell them is going to happen. They know that I'm trustworthy. And that's what I think Francis did. He had, um, I don't know if you ever watched the weather forecast, but sometimes I put my hand in my pocket um, when I'm starting off. And it's a very calculated move because I want you to know how relaxed I am with this story. (laughs) I'm so relaxed. I'm standing here with my hand in my pocket. And the reason I'm so relaxed is because I know what I'm doing Mm. and I'm going to tell you now Mm. what it is. And, you know, you... there's communication and there's effective communication and you're not just trying to say words you're trying to attend grab the attention of your viewer and hold it long enough to impart something that you think is important Mm. to you and to them Mm. so I'm thinking all the time and I'm thinking about Aidan Nulty and his short words and Francis and his posture and Jerry and his wink you know all of those things that made these characters the effective communicators that I want to be. You know, when you go in to see, well, you know, the idea of watching a television program or a film or even in real life, the idea of going in to see a doctor and the doctor has some news for you, Mm. but you don't know whether the the news is good or bad. Mm. If you have, in that case, you're a professional and you're a scientist in a way, right? So you are a scientist, of course. Mm -hmm. The idea that Let's say it's coming up to a bank holiday weekend. Oh, God, I know what you're going to say now. <laughs> what am I going to say? Uh, and, and I know it's going to rain. Oh, like it's going to be terrible. Yeah, I know. What do you feel a oh. little? Do you feel a little? Oh, shite. I've yeah, got, of course I've, I do. I, I've got to carry this now. I, of course I do. Yeah. And it's funny to me. I've got because, to deliver the bad yeah, news. I, what's funny to me is that I, I, I'm on uh, social media, you know, and occasionally I see my name go by as being the bearer of storms <laughs> and bad news. And I'm actually, you know, I don't actually name storm. And I'm not, Yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm not uh, overly excited about, you know, oh, there's going to be a big storm. Yeah. I'm like, trying to effectively communicate the weather and I'm like that's a bit unfair yeah. I'm not, it's not me well I could see uh, there is a possibility see that I could see elements of the, you know the kind of people who protested outside Dáil Éireann mm-hmm. I could see elements of the far right blaming you for the weather oh they're following me fucking around. you and your fucking storms 
Liar. You scumbag. Liar. Get out of here, Star Magnus. You L- bitch. Liar. I just, people keep calling me a liar. Yeah. <laughs> You're part what? of the Rothschilds. I'm actually making, and I, I'm, I'm controlling the weather, and I'm thinking to myself, she's in, if I were controlling, she's controlling the, weather. the weather in all honesty, yeah. it would be sunnier. Yeah. So <laughs> do you get a bit of abuse genuine. sometimes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. this is kind of deviates though into a serious area because I it remember, is, yeah. you know, we've had people on the podcast before, like Mairead Ronan and Pamela mm. Joyce, and I've I've talked to them seriously at times about the different the different reactions that women in in media get, particularly online compared mm. to men. And, mm. and have you been you've been on the receiving end of that a little bit? Well, thankfully, I I'm I've not experienced too much. I did get a, a tweet once telling me, warning me not to go out alone, and I thought, well, hold on a second. And I, you know, I retweeted this with the guys, and I'm like, you know, that that's actually not allowed. You're not allowed hmm. to threaten somebody. And hmm. um, but that is mostly rare. You know, mostly very rare. Mostly my experiences with people are very positive. Hmm. I do have a couple of people following me around, claiming that I'm behind. Um, contrails, the condensation trails that come out of the airplanes and they're telling me that they're not actually condensation trails, that they're these chemicals that I am responsible for spraying all over me, by the way, because I live here too. Um, And uh, one of the... Are these these chemtrails? Chemtrails, guys. I don't like saying that. What What is it about chemtrail? Do you know? No, chemtrail isn't a thing. Okay, Chemtrail is the conspiracy that they put on. What is that? I don't know what it is. Okay. There, there is saying that we're spraying out of commercial airlines. By the way, you know the the Ryanair flight that you get on. Yes. Uh, while you're while you're on that plane, they're dumping barium and aluminium and all these chemicals out of the the plane. Okay. Um, they're actually condensation nuclei to or, turn us into know, gay frogs. I, you know, I and I. That's what I heard the last. Alex Jones told me that. They're turning you into gay frogs, man. And you wonder what is the purpose behind it? What do they think? And my husband, Harm, is an aviation forecaster. So this come up uh, and one of them said, and her husband, get this, is a pilot. And I was like, oh, he's a pilot. No. (laughs) And so because he's an aviation forecaster, he himself was up there dumping these chemicals. And I was like, but, you know, if I were dumping them, I'd be dumping them on me and my friends and my kids and my kids' kids and all the... You know, why would I do that? How much would I have to be being paid? Although I'm probably getting an antidote. Mm. Like the um, those stem cells that we used to get in RTE in the basement, you know, of the embryos to make, our, right. make us look pretty. I was That's like, right. you, were you, you were harvesting babies downstairs to, in to Studio make, B, was yeah, it? Yeah, some t- to make us look pretty. Mm. I was like, well, they, tub, didn't, they tub, didn't work And then well. they were given to Tuberty to eat. <laughs> oh, probably. So Tuberty was eating the, the, Yummy. the babies. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, well done. Yeah. Well, you couldn't make no, it up. Actually, well, you, you can make it up. That's what they're doing. They're but making it up. That's it. You're making it up. Yeah, they yeah. and and and, and they. I love that word. They. They is the most hilarious mm. word. Talk about. Well, pronouns. I'm going to say Valerie. Valerie, because she's identified herself. As Talk Valerie. about Valerie's pronouns now. You know yeah. the most the most dangerous know, pronoun yeah. nowadays is they. You know. Yeah. Hey man, they're after you. They're coming yeah. to get you, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. And but, apparently, I'm one of the they. But come here, you are one oh, of the they. But come here. Um, your husband, yeah, your husband is also a meteorologist. He is, yeah. We met through the meteorology, yeah. Okay, yeah, and yeah. he's on the radio yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. but not no, on he's the te- not on the uh, not on the radio. But he anymore. was, he was, yeah. And you probably can do his voice, can't you? I think you I did because he's brilliant. Yeah, no, go on. Do, I think do, I did do him. do him on the phone. Okay, actually, actually then, you don't do mind you if I do him? No, oh, I would well, be disappointed so, if you no, didn't. No, sorry, I think he's he's on the phone. Ed, he's on the phone. Will you put the phone through? Yeah. Your husband is called what? Harem. Say hello, Harem. 
Yeah. Hello. Is that my wife? Two hundred and twenty millibars, rising slowly. Do you know whenever I listen to his voice, I always thought it was very calming. Yes. Is that a good approximation? Yes, uh, very good at putting the children to sleep when we yes. went into conversation. Yes. Once upon a time, there was a little girl called Goldilocks. <laughs> Her embryos were harvested <laughs> by the Rothschilds so in the basement of RTE. Yeah. <laughs> That's harm. Is, Doing it himself, yeah. Does that sound like him? Yeah, yeah. He um, hasn't been on radio in a long, long time. Yeah. And he actually made such a big impression that people still... I love his voice. Yeah, because I used to do a character call on your on radio many twenty years ago, called, called Yap Stam, and Yap Stam was this famous uh, Manchester United player, but nobody really knew who he talked. Yeah. But he was huge, famous, yeah. and 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 so I just put it that yes, you know, he's talking like that all the time, and he's bringing his brain box and his facility to do talking of the of the vocal machines. Yeah. And uh, Ian loves this thing, and people c- we couldn't really understand what he was talking about, but you can kind of half make out because yeah. when it, when you have a very mangled. Netherlands yeah. voice. Yeah. Um, they, you can make out what they're saying, yeah. but it sounds back to front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So they are putting it in front of my my box in my brain box. Yeah. In and but we still get it. Yeah. Yeah, and he um he was he had a, such a following. At one point, there was a, a Facebook page dedicated to him, and I had to call Facebook and say you have to take this down because there's somebody saying that that I she was. Being me, yes, we're raising our children. And so I was like, whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> you don't stop. You're not. His, you're not his wife. I'm his wife. Get off. So he had a, a really big following, um, and a, a, you know, a few people that have met him are really surprised by how he looks because he doesn't look like his voice. Yeah. And um, I remember Derek Mooney interviewed him and Derek Mooney nearly Hi. fell off his chair when Harm <laughs> walked in because Harm is six foot four and he's quite good looking. Ah. And he was expecting a little bespeckled professor with yes. patches on his arms and it was like, oh, this is not what he was expecting at all. But you yeah. do know, Ashton. He's on the line again, sorry. <laughs> you do know that the, this is, uh, I, I have an interest in science myself yes. and you do know that the touch in the Netherlands, we are the tallest people in the world. I, I, I'm I aware of that. Do you know I, that? I, I give birth to three of the half ones. Yeah. Yes, so, and yeah, now I, they're all seven foot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, yeah. Uh, well, my daughter's fully, fully grown now. She's but, but they are, you know tall. that? The Netherlands they are, are the tallest in the and world. And do you know that they weren't during the Second World War, they were among the shortest? They were malnourished. Yeah. But, because no, of the but Nazis. The, the, but the, yes, well, they were, yeah. they were starved, of yeah. course. They were eating tulips yeah. and dogs. But... No, the Dutch soldiers fighting weren't among the tallest. So the fact that they're the tallest now is a very recent phenomenon. And why is that? Yeah, I'd say it's probably dairy and the hormones in the dairy. Okay. Because they did grow too quick as a population, if you know what I mean. Yeah. In in the Second World War, the Americans were the tallest. Yes. And the Dutch were among the smallest. Okay, well, the Dutch are the tallest in the world now. They are. And And um, that's very evident when you go there. Yeah, because I was listening to British radio there recently and it was like, did you know our country is in decline even further? Brexit, it's done it again. Did you know the average Dutch 11-year-old is five foot three and a half, whereas the average Londoner 11-year-old is four foot eight? And that's blamed on, on Brexit. It's dairy, mate. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, no meat. Dairy. They can't get the meat across the border dairy. with the da- Brexit. One of my first Dutch, I had harm teaching me Dutch from the early on. And one of the first things I learned in to say in Dutch, I don't remember how to say it now. Uh, Vroom zijn ze 
brook so court? Uh, it means, why are your trousers so short? Because <laughs> everybody's ankles are on split. Maybe it's because <laughs> so tall. So, like, obviously, do you, do you, get, do you ever get abuse for, um, for getting the weather wrong? I would say, you know, it, probably get abuse online mm. um, and accused of never getting it right. And of course, yeah. my good friend on Carlo Weather is much better forecaster than I am. Yeah, what's he all Alan. about? He's I a he's, phenomenon. He's, he's actually a really good friend of mine mm. now. So mm. I, I, I'm very fond of Alan. Mm. He's a great weather enthusiast. But um, I don't tend to get an awful lot of abuse. But I will say, if I go into a room, um, I can look around the room and find the person who blames me for either a wedding that went wrong or, you know, the the bouncy castle that was ordered and then had to be dried off. <laughs> uh, you can see them scowling at me from yeah. across the room. Yeah. I say, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I wonder what it could have been that I ruined for that person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they don't tend to abuse me. I think Irish people are too afraid to abuse you to your face. They are. So unless they do that jokey Oh, you're brutal. You're oh, terrible, right. and I'm like nothing going, and you are. <laughs> yeah. Now you ha- you 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 like the weather so much. You have a tattoo of the weather on oh, your body. I do. <laughs> Tell I me do. about that. How do you know about that? Ooh. Well, I've been investigated. Um, I have. I had them find out. <laughs> I have three kids, and um, as a result of that, I, I I I deliver them all myself, but with my own body. Um, I have a mark on my abdomen. And in my life, in my head, that mark on my body was in the shape of a thunderstorm, a meteorological thunderstorm. We have a, a symbol for the shape of all our weather. We have the, these tiny little symbols that we can read. And in my head, this was uh, the mark of a thunderstorm. The most powerful thing in the world is the thunderstorm. And delivering a, a baby is one of the most complicated, difficult things you can do as a woman and I wanted to celebrate that I actually got to do that which was a miracle especially as soon as we had struggles to do it so um, I went into a tattoo shop and I said here's my thunderstorm I want you to put this which is a thunderstorm and he went well you can't cover it up and I said why would I want to cover it up no I don't want to cover it up I wanted to show it off so my tattoo of my thunderstorm is sitting beside the thunderstorm that I got and I is a tattoo of a thunderstorm is it like a lightning thing uh, there is a, a thunderstorm comes from a cumulonimbus cloud so it's kind of it's it looks like an oar mm. so it's a meteorological symbol mm. of a thunderstorm so it kind of looks like an oar with a little arrow on the bottom of it mm. and you wanted to do that to celebrate the miracle of nature Ma- it, nature and and the miracle of your birth the, those two things that were are together really yeah yeah because yeah. uh, and I, I I checked this with you before we started chatting, yeah. but you were okay to talk about it. Of course, yeah. A- and that was that you had seven miscarriages. Is that I right? I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Myself and my wife Blonet had four. Yeah. Miscarriages. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. And I and <clears throat> I, I I'm sorry for for yeah. your for you yeah. and for Blonet. Um and some of my miscarriages were probably very early miscarriages. Yes. And. They probably shouldn't be counted because, you know, it wasn't a real miscarriage. Mm. But I don't know about you guys, but as soon as that little line appears on your, you, you, it's not just a pregnancy. It's the future life of the person that you're going to get to bring into the world. And when it's gone, it's devastating. It's like it's not the pain Olympics. It's whose pain is worse or whatever. So, um pain is how you feel it and those seven miscarriages I have I, I count I don't care if a, if somebody else tells me it doesn't it wasn't really a miscarriage because I didn't get to 12 weeks or 8 weeks or whatever determination they had as to what counts as a miscarriage but yeah seven 
in the journey to try and have the second child. Yeah, I think it's one of the saddest things that happens to human beings. It and is. It's, and it's because from my experience and Blonde's particular experience, but mine secondhand, if you like, experience, um, it's it's because there's no there's no outward demonstration of grief, really. Grief is not demonstrable and it's not allowed to be demonstrable. Mm-hmm. Basically, a miscarriage is, oh, well done you. Somebody mm-hmm. sees a bump mm-hmm. or somebody mm-hmm. hears about it. And mm-hmm. then five months later, they mm-hmm. meet you and nothing is mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. It's quiet. It's silent. silent. It's silent. And the vo- and that little life is forgotten. Yep. And it's not, not even it's, it's not It's not really acknowledged. Yeah. It's yeah. just yeah. Uh, it, because basically it comes under the that it comes under the headlines of that never happened. And that I remember then when I finally managed to get pregnant with IVF with my son that we were trying for. And I told somebody I was pregnant and it was something like eight, ten weeks. I can't remember. And she said, oh, you're not supposed to tell me until I'm 12. It was a Dutch person, of course, because Dutch people <laughs> will tell you uh, until you're 12 weeks. And I was like, well, you know that that rule, that law is so that you can be protected from having to console me if I lose it. You know, this idea that you're not supposed to sell anybody you're pregnant until you're 12 weeks and you're beyond this idea of yeah. a mystical, you're in a safe period, which yes. of course so many people know that you're not, yeah. uh, devastatingly. Um, but that idea that you're not going to announce your pregnancy until after you're safe is only to protect the other people from having to deal with you if you lose your baby. You know, yeah. it's... Now, it didn't happen, but it did. Of course it did. So I, 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 I skew that notion. And when we were running Pomegranate, which all fell out of the, the result of that, that was the charity. Yes, this is a charity you, yeah. you, you formed with a yeah. friend yeah. Um, to, to help people who'd had experiences with miscarriages yeah. and to raise some funds as well. Yeah, we did. For yeah. people. Yeah. No, it's, it's disbanded now because the government have taken up the role, but we ran it for 12 years um, oh. while waiting for the this legislation that has come through now to come through. So the 12 years between my son being born and this, yeah. it took 12 years to run Pomegranate. We meant to only sponsor one couple, um, but it turned out to, to last a little longer than that. Myself and Fiona McPhillips was my my partner in Pomegranate. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I going to say? I can't remember what I was going to say now. We 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 set it up to, at the and at the time we were talking about it, and people would say, I don't want to say, I don't want to talk about it. And I said, well, that's your right, privilege and your privacy. I totally respect that. I want to talk about it because I want other people to know that you can talk about it yep. if you want to. Yep. Not everybody wants to. And it's, that's it's, fine, it's, too. It's quite a new phenomenon, Joanna. Um, yeah. I was saying to you before we came yeah. on air that I'd done a bit of chatting about it on my radio show a few years yeah. ago. And it was around that time, not nothing to do with me causing it, but it was around that time that uh, the the demystification of, of miscarriages. And as you subsequently pointed out as well, a little later, um, menopause has mm. been has, has been talked about much more. Mm. And it's so refreshing yeah. to hear women yeah. talk about menopause and, I, even, and even men. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, and I said it earlier as well, it's because the women of my generation, we were fortunate enough probably to be born into a time where we went uh, equality, what equality? I'm equ- I'm equal and this isn't the question and I want to talk about what I want to talk about and I want to say what I want to do and I want to work and I want to, you know, and we did. And we worked and we spoke and we kind of elbowed some tough subjects and tough obstacles out of our way. You know, my daughter's 20 now and of course she knows everything and everything is new and original and her idea. But I'm like, I'm sorry, but me and women like me and parents like me gave you the platform 
to live the way you do. The way my parents gave me the, the platform to live the way I do. We enabled this generation to be as they are. <laughs> Might not have all worked out perfectly well, but, you know, I think that my generation of women decided that it was OK to talk about periods, tampons, uh, pregnancy, infertility, uh, and now menopause. We're on to menopause. I don't know what's coming next down the line, but I'm sure we'll be talking about that too. Yeah, yeah. No, but also, I mean, sorry to bore, be, I'm being a bit boring about this, but actually for women, it's 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 fundamentally a health matter as well. Women, you know, they change oh, and yeah. serious health consequences yeah, and yeah. they're often covered over. Yeah. And they've often been covered over. Oh, she's going through that thing. Yeah. But like it has serious health ramifications. Oh, Heart my God. attacks, all this well, sort of stuff. Apparently, oestrogen affects every single cell in our body. Yeah. Every single cell. So when I broke a tooth recently, mm. I was like... What the hell has happened here? Because it's your gums yes. and your. I was like, oh, for crying out loud! Mm. My hair, my teeth, yeah. my joints, yeah. my ah, for Christ's sake, something yeah. else. And then there's your mental health. One hundred percent. But also, we live in a, a different world now because mm. menopause now means something totally different to menopause in nineteen seventy-five. Absolutely. You know, I mean, the idea mm. of a forty-eight-year-old woman in nineteen seventy-five or a fifty-five-year-old woman in nineteen seventy-five, uh, same with a man, is that they're finished, they're done, they're finished, they're old, mm. they're literally mm, old. Mm. Nowadays, it's just nothing. It's it's mm. it's hardly even a number anymore. Mm. You wouldn't even know what age some people mm. are. They're just ridiculous. They're yeah. just in yeah. such fine shape and all this That's sort of true. stuff. And yeah. so and so. You know, it's, it's, it's a good opportunity to talk about it yeah. and open it up. So you listened to my climate change one with I John did. Gibbons, who's an excellent yes. and articulate commentator. It's fantastic. From yeah. where you are as a scientist, right? And um, are you seeing, does it tally with your data that things are changing? Of course. Yeah. Of course. But it, it, it tallies uh, with your on oh, the, on the ground course. data. Of course it does. I mean, the, the every year is hotter than the year before. Yeah. Every record is broken. Now, the hottest, re- the, the record for the hottest um recorded temperature in Ireland is still 33.3 officially um, by Met Aaron stats. That mm. was in 1876. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. But it's the only European record surviving the 19th century. So every other record has been broken and then broken again. And over the last five years, broken and then broken again. And although the highest temperature in Ireland is currently that one, one from Kilkenny, um, the June records were broken this year. The August records were broken last year. So the records are being broken year on year. You can, every year is getting hotter and the records are broken Is it getting wetter? Year. Um, yes. Well, the July this year was the uh, the wettest July on record here in Ireland. Um the extremes will become more extreme. That's what the, the, the general thinking is. More heat, as your uh, guest John Gibbon said, more heat, warmer air holds more moisture, more heat, more moisture. Does this make life very interesting for you? No, it's funny because my job as a meteorologist, I'm working as a weather forecaster. So I'm forecasting the weather for the next few days. I go through the same steps every day in order to create the map of what the next few days looks like. Um, so my, my it's kind of like a conveyor belt of work. You know, I do these these steps to create this forecast. What's possibly more making my more my, my job different or changing is 
the phenomena we see more. Now, a few years ago, I t- we talked about my thunderstorm tattoo, but a few years ago, I was able to say I'd seen more thunderstorms in an afternoon in the Netherlands than I had in my life in Ireland. Not sure that that is going to hold out much longer because we've seen an awful lot of uh, thunderstorms this year in particular. You, again, referring to your podcast with John Gibbons, he talked about the, the marine heat wave. We had a marine heat wave across affect Ireland in June where we had this huge plume of warm, hot air come around and made, made swimming in the sea lovely for a little while. But it also gave us those thunderstorms because warm, moist air gives us thunderstorms. Um, there's a consequence to each thing. The excess heat in the atmosphere gives us excess moisture in the atmosphere. That gives us extra precipitation. So in that respect, my job is different and more, maybe more interesting, but uh, the job itself is the same, mm. if you know what I mean. What's the prognosis, if you like, for the or for the middle middle distance future? I mean, because you, you're sort of saying it's getting hotter and hotter, but isn't mm. there some, isn't there some, isn't there some model whereby Ireland kind of goes through a cold period yeah. potentially as well. well. The models because will, of the, yeah. is it because of the um is it because of the um the, the Gulf Stream. The Gulf Stream. If yeah. if the Gulf Stream and that's one model. Yeah. And that's one interpretation of what um why my fear for the discussion about climate change is that we tend to when we're discussing it in the media and mm. and and John did as well. He said by fifty by twenty fifty this is what's going to happen. Mm. And we say that, you know, by 2050 and people go, oh, that's ages away. That's ages away. Don't have to worry about that. But I'll only be 80 in 2050. Mm-hmm. And my kids will only be the age I am now. You mm. know, that that's actually not that far away. Yeah. Um, but because we say it, we throw it out 2050. 2050's ages away yeah. in the minds, in the people's pop- yeah. mind. And a, a friend of mine told me that she was going to retire to um, the Bahamas because mm. she was in offshore finance and she was going to retire to the Bahamas and she was going to make loads of money and have a great retirement. And I was like, well, good luck with that because I'm not sure the Bahamas will still be there. Mm. Um, and she was like, well, I'll be retiring in however many years. And mm. she was like, do you think climate change is going to mm. happen at some obscure time in the future? Do you not know that it's now? Mm. It's not the future. It's now. And mm. um, the world is on fire now. Mm. And the increased precipitation is now. It's not 2050. It's now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, places like the Maldives and everything and, you know, semi-low-lying islands. I mean, John Gibbons is, uh, let's say, more catastrophic models, Mm. um, Mm. not to put too big a word on it, but, Mm. you know, have, you know, I mean... (sighs) Miami basically disappears, mm. right? In a, in a in a future model, mm. Manhattan gone. Mm. You know, like Dublin Port, Mar- mm. all the way into Clontarf, uh, gone. Clontarf yeah. Marino. Yeah, that's all gone. Yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, because it's just going to rise by that much. Yeah, yeah. And Sutton is gone, so H- yeah. Hoth is an island. That's Dempsey gone then. Yeah. Seeing Dempsey, yeah. I just don't know how he's going to get in. Yeah, canoe. Well, there's a boat. Canoe. Yeah, you need a boat. Canoe. Um. My my worry is that the numbers make it sound like it's something that to work to postpone worrying about. Yeah. Martin King is on the line from oh, Virgin. Okay. Am say hello to okay. Martin. Hi, Martin. Oh ho! How are you, Joanne? Fine, Joanna. Finally, great to hear a real weather forecaster on the radio. Says you. Um, give us it. What's a millibar? 
Quickly, I've got a, <laughs> I, I, no, I've got a broadcast to do. What's a millibar fast? <laughs> it's the same as a hectopascal. A hector. A hectopascal. A Tommy Larita and Hector. Jesus Christ, you're making me all stressed now. Yeah, a millibar is a measure of uh, the, uh, we use it to measure the pressure, air pressure. It's, um, we used to use a measure of mercury in a, in a, in a tube. And the, however much it was hiring or lowering. Jesus Christ, the stress Tube. here. <laughs> Jesus Christ, millibars. Oh. Well done, thanks. Good luck. Fair play, John. First um, time he ever knew me. I met him loads of times. Took him years <laughs> to know who I was. Now, listen, to, to radically change the tone of the... Um, oh, yeah, because I was kind of wondering in years from now, would, would, the, would, Ireland, would Dublin get really... Or would Ireland get really warm and, and, and we'd, we'd all turn into like wine growers and stuff. And you'd be out there in Chateau Lusk. Um, I, I laugh you you again um, because he was he was he was terrifying me, but he was saying all the things I already knew. Um, John Gibbons referred to the fact that we don't grow the food that we need to eat. And I laugh at the idea that at the point in the a changed climate where Ireland is warm enough to grow grapes, um, we're going to need food. <laughs> You know, yes, it's like we won't have the luxury of Correct. growing this is what he was wine. Saying. Um, uh, but I and think, Ireland is not sustainable on its I own. I think that the idea that we have to look forward to a, a changed climate, living as we live now, that's not you can't. You, we're not projecting ourselves as we live now, uh, going on holidays, buying our food in Aldi or wherever you buy, eating your avocados, whatever it is mm. you're eating. Um, driving your cars, doing what you do now mm-hmm. in a changed climate. Mm. That's not going to be feasible, mostly because the billion people that have been displaced from places where it's no longer habitable are going to need somewhere to live. And we're not going to be able to say, oh, we're full. I know. Well, 200 of us will go, we're full. We're full. Yeah, yeah. Ireland for They're, the Irish. They won't tell you that, but we're, Ireland, Ireland is full. Ireland for the Irish. With their... And not like, you know, the, the people that are hungry yeah. are going to sit outside our, our coastlines right. going. Well, as, as John ah, said, as John in. said, they're not going to take it. And they're not going to say let us in nicely. No, and, they're, and people, some of those countries, namely India and Pakistan, are nuclear uh, countries. Yeah. And his synopsis was like, they're not going to just stand idly by and watch a billion of their people die of hunger. So they're going to go, lads, get the finger out or we're going to cause a lot of trouble here. Of course. Yeah. It's, and it's not a matter of yeah. our, our, our pretty little island. No. We're going to just plant grapes. No. <laughs> <laughs> get over yourself. Yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, okay. Tell me about your this this book that you brought in front of me from Millenhead, Mal- Malinhead to Mizenhead. To Mizenhead. Yeah. Go on. Um, so I married a Dutchman, as we discussed, and we've been going out back and forth to the Netherlands with our children for 20 years. Because when you're married to somebody that li- is from a, another place, that's where you have to go on your holidays. And that's it. <laughs> I yeah. go to Rohini every year. Look. <laughs> <laughs> OK, <laughs> you win. But anyway, we've been back and forth to the Netherlands. And at this point, we've been going to the same place for 20 years. And the Netherlands is not a very big country. It's about the size of Munster. That's correct. Munster. So, but about 15 million people? 17. And, and they all live in Cork, by the way. You know, yeah. <laughs> so the population is concentrated in, That's right. in Cork. Correct. In a country the size yes. of Munster. Yes. Yeah. So really, really about packed. 15 million people in Cork? 
17. Jesus. Imagine <laughs> 17 million Cork people. I know, we can't even oh imagine how many God. there are there at the moment. Jesus, God almighty. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. There's 250,000 as yeah, it is. Yeah. And you know, and as a result, and because they're so tall, they... Um, Individually, they take up more Dutch space. people are fabulous, wonderful, wonderful people. But yeah. as a population, they walk right over you. There's no excuse me. There's no. I remember when They're we quite li- brusque. when we lived there, and I was like trying to get off a bus or trying to get off a train, and you have to you know, push your way off because they don't stand back and let you go. You know, I remember a guy nearly running me over to get to the next open team yeah. in the supermarket. And me looking at him, going, "You know, I'm standing right here." Yeah. Um, and Harm said, yes, because that's because there are, if he lets you go, there are 17 million more waiting to go in front of yes, you. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, the, but it's a great place, great country, love it. What's the, ca- sorry, what's the characterizations of, it, what the, this is a little bit of a cliche, of course, yeah. and it's stereotyping, but is there a kind of a characterization or a, of a Dutch person? Are they seen as straight talking? Oh my God, so straight talking. Really? For example, my sister-in-law. Show, you look very ugly now. My you, sister-in-law you, you, came into my house and she said she didn't like my dining table. <laughs> I, I've just bought a new oh, dining no. table. And my yeah. sister-in-law came in and said, I don't like it. And I was yeah. like, Wow. Yeah. Wow. What, okay. what freedom. Mm. You know, imagine being able to go around yes. just telling people what you wow. think. But that's a huge amount of arrogance, isn't it? To think that your opinion is so important that it's, you need to share it. It's different. Ugh. It's different to the Irish way. It's very different to the Irish. Because uh, in Ireland we'd go, oh, I love your dining table. Or just not say anything. And then they'd go home and just bitch about up. your dining table. Shut up about no, the dining in table. In Ireland they say, I love I it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, in my opinion, you know, just, just shut shut up, please. Mm-hmm. Shut up, shut up. Mm-hmm. My sister-in-law is a wonderful, wonderful woman. She's, uh, I love her to bits. As, as I do my husband, you know, because I'm required to by law because we got married. <laughs> but they're, they are a different type of people yes. to us. Yeah. But their country is very different as well. And, and around, the Netherlands is built on a river plain and it's a lot of reclaimed, you know, it's all very That's flat. Right. So country-wise speaking, it's very uninteresting. Their towns and their towns and cities are beautiful mm. and you can't beat them. They're absolutely mm. spectacular. But in terms of, you know, nowhere to go scenery-wise. Mm. And, and what are they like socially when they're out and about? And oh, they're wonderful. They're, they're great they're like, crack. They're like fun. Oh, they are great mm. crack. And they're mm. very, very funny because, you know, dry humour is very funny. You yeah. know? So they are, and they're, you know, I'm obviously, you meet stupid Dutch people. Yeah. But, you know, the ones I hang out with are yeah. smart. Yeah. But um, anyway, we had gotten to the point where we'd been everywhere. And I was thinking, well, no never been anywhere in Ireland at this point you know mm. my children hadn't been to Galway um, and I was thinking and all these beautiful places and I was asked to do a show a walking show and I was like it's great Ireland has so many places to visit that you nearly don't know where to start and then you don't start because you think I'll go for a walk today but where oh oh, where am I going to park at Wicklow oh it's mm. beautiful up there. and you get overwhelmed you don't do it so mm. um, it was a combination of that mm. And I had just read Attention All Shipping by Car- Charlie Connolly, which was a brilliant book. It's mm-hmm. not about meteorology. It's about, it's more of a travel. And Charlie Connolly is a comedy writer, so it was funny. Um, and then there was coming up to the anniversary of my mom's death. And uh, my mom died suddenly with no warning. You know, she was doing great. And then all of a sudden she was just oh, gone, which sorry. is very typical of my mother to just up and go without giving oh. me any notice, <laughs> you know, just disappear out of my life. Um and I'd been, unfortunately, no stranger to grief. And I knew the deal with grief. You know, the first year is the hardest. And I say that to everybody I know who has also ever had any Yes, because your, your father died when, when you I was, were three. Yeah. And yeah. your brother died when he was only 34, was it? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. 
33. Um, he was buried on his 34th birthday, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, we, you know, I don't bring the, but my teen years were just dotted by, by one funeral after oh, another. I became yeah. just too familiar with death and yes. grief. But um, in the year then that my mom died, I had the, well, the first year is the hardest. The first year is the hardest. We're just going to get through this first year. Um, but then it was coming to the anniversary and I was like, any day now, I'm going to get through this first year, you know, you're like, and that's not how it works, of course. Um, so it was coming up to, I don't know if you, you know, the when something momentous happens in your life, particularly a death, it's not necessarily that moment that's the anniversary when it comes around you're thinking as it approaches this time last year this is what I was doing this time last year we were here this time last year I was there we were talking about this we were eating this we were watching this movie so it was coming closer and closer to this day and I woke up one day I had been forecasting the weather and I knew there was a weather front coming through it meant it was going to rain all day I had the day off but it was also going to come through Ireland as I said earlier in the podcast there weather fronts go through Ireland very quickly. So I got up and I said, I'm going to Loophead. And I got in the car and I drove to Loophead, which is right on the west coast, on the furthest point away from um, Clare, on the edge of Clare. I'd never been and it was as far away as I could get. I'm in my 20s, whenever anything used to annoy me or, you know, get pissed off about anything, I'd get in my car and drive to Donegal. You know, just oh. run away, you yeah, know, yeah. leave that in the, the rearview mirror and just run away. Mm. Um, and then obviously you get commitments to work and commitments to your family and you can't run away anymore. Mm. But now my kids are older and I, <laughs> a couple of years ago, or that was last year, I don't even know when it was at this time, got in my car and I ran away. I see. I ran through the rain. I drove through the rain. It was absolutely lashing on the M50. All I could see was red lights in front of me. And then halfway across the country the sun came out it was blue skies and it was possibly one of those perfect days you know just one of those days that went on and on forever I got to Kilkee and it was a beautiful day I plugged the car in this car is an electric car and lo and behold I had a working charger in the car park in Kilkee so that's you know good omen met some really great people started chatting with them went for a run and some days in your life the only thing you get done is go for a run, you know. Yes. <laughs> you know, you get a day, and yeah, at the end of the day, I went for a run today. Yeah. I don't know what else. Yeah. The day was taken up doing, but you know, you got a run in. So I got, a, I went for a run. I met some more people, did some more talking. Um, got in the car, drove out to the to actual Loophead where the lighthouse is. Absolutely, the most spectacular place in the world on the edge. It's like on the edge of the world. You know, this Loophead Peninsula is a little point and it goes all the way out into the Atlantic. And it used to be. And yeah. right. Yeah, of course it was. For all intents and purposes. Absolutely. There was nothing else. Nothing on the yeah. other side of that. Yeah. And this beautiful lighthouse and the sky was blue and the Atlantic was warm. Oh, it was just perfect day. Absolutely perfect day. So that was the start of it. And it kind of helped me get my feet back on the ground to take that day out to... Hmm really did I'm mean, genuine I'm not I'm not a, a mystically or you know any of this I'm not like that but it did it did it put me right back on started me on the right track so um, that seemed like a great idea so I went and did it again and that was the the formation then you know, I went from headland to headland oh, I see and when I went out to Loophead I met um, two people they were sitting sunning themselves and I started talking to them and I met Harm and he came to Ireland first 
I'd stop and talk to people on the street and they'd say, who is that? I'd say, I don't know. Why are you talking to them? Because why not? <laughs> just because you're there. I say, you just talk to people. You just randomly talk to people. It's like, yeah, that's what we do here. We just randomly talk to each other. And it took him a while to get his head around the idea that I was just going to go off and randomly talk to people. So when I was leaving, I, I said, I'm going to go. I talked to these people. I'm going to go here. How do you know? Have you met? So have you made arrangements to meet people? Are you going to? Who are you going to talk to? And I said, I'll meet them. And like, how do you know you're going to meet them? <laughs> I know. If I walk into any tea room, any pub, any hop, you know, any shop, I'm going to talk to people because this is Ireland and that's what we do. Mm. And I did. I I think that's a really, really great story. I love the running away idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it's brilliant. It's the first time I've heard anybody talk about that, that kind of running away thing. Yeah. And, and of course, there was a point in your life, a long point in your life where you couldn't run away. Yeah. And then you found, oh, I can I'll run away again. Now. I can run away again. I'm going to. <laughs> yeah, away. yeah, 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 yeah. Just leave nice. the problems that you think you have in the rearview mirror and run away. Yeah. So I suppose that the book then is a kind of a juxtaposition of your own personal feelings with the geography of Ireland. And I suppose. I was actually a bit nervous about the book when I was writing it because it was a very hard work for a start. <laughs> Mm-hmm. When it was over, I went, Jesus Christ, what, mm-hmm. what was I thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a bit worried because it was, it's very personal, you know. It, it, I went to these places and I talked to these people about what I wanted to talk about. I don't know whether anybody yeah. else is going to be interested in what I yeah, wanted to yeah, talk to yeah, these yeah, people yeah. about, you know. Yeah. I hope, I think it was yeah. interesting. And the other thing I'm interested in is is weather and extreme yes. weather. So it's a bit in there about extreme weather. And <sighs> I really like explaining the, the physics and mm. the science and the history about that. Yeah. So it, and... I wrote them all in in bits because, you know, I went to this place and I wrote about it there and I went to this place. So, is this actually a book? Does this actually, Mm. does this actually work? Is Mm. this, does this fit together? And it was so hard work and it went out into the world and then I, I don't know if anybody's going to actually like this, but some people have been reading it and and I actually had to read it myself. Look at my notes, (laughs) all my my little stickies on it. Um, well, of course, it's going to work in a way. Yeah, in a way, it's the ultimate pathetic fallacy. The idea of of expressing, you know, human emotions through nature yeah. and through or juxtaposing human emotions yeah. with nature, yeah. you know. So yeah. and I think uh, I mean, we're good at that in Ireland, aren't we? That we um, we are like our we're coming up on Halloween now. We, I actually got married on Halloween because Halloween's my favorite time of the year. Nights closing in, misty, dark, you know, that sort of. But you know, that was one of my last questions. Well, you might as well continue. There. My last question is, what's your favourite weather? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously the thunderstorm ranks up there as being wonderful. But I probably my connection to the weather all started on a misty day in Halloween when I walked from my home in Finglas into town in the mist. And I just got this feeling of this is Ireland. You know, yeah. this is misty, misty, dark mm. October weather. And no wonder we invented Halloween. You know, as I was saying to my, explained to my husband when we met first, no, Halloween's ours. Mm. <laughs> mm. We made mm. it. And it wasn't about plastic um, corpses and stuff. It was about that change in the, the world from the harvest to the, to the storage and to the winter and to the sharing of that harvest where we swapped our foods so that we could feed each other through the winter and you know the the, the feast of Samhain oh all yeah mm. and then the you know the, the the religion came along and put their stamp on it and the whole 
souls going to heaven and yes. coming back and the mist because October in Ireland is a quite a misty time of year when yeah. radiation fog happens and that sort of comes up from the ground at night and towards dawn and it's just I love it I absolutely love it. I think I'm with you because I think my favourite time of year so weather is when it's crisp it's cool it's fresh you can breathe the air mm. um, the leaves are probably on the ground falling mm. off the trees mm. And that that kind of um, mauve, um, red, dark reds in the sky, the autumnal light, um, the lower, lower sun. um, It's 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 something, something very, um, what's the word? A little, little gothic. Yeah. And um, a little pagan, a a little spooky. Yeah. But but kind of kind of kind of you know gets the hair standing up yeah. on your arms as well yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and and there was a place in um along the west coast of ireland that, that there's right on the coasts there's no trees because the trees wouldn't be able to contend with the prevailing strong winds but if you move just a few hundred meters kilometers inland you'll start to see the hawthorns come up which are also you know those mystical fairy trees yeah. you know <laughs> and um, it struck me and I, I don't think I even took a picture of them I must go back and get a picture these trees along the coast at um, Slinehead and Arishead bent hawthorn trees bent towards the east because the prevailing wind coming off the southwest and they were like old crones, you know, like witches. And I could just imagine them on that misty night leaning in and frightening the out of anybody out on the road. Joanna, this is great. Yeah. You need to do this on the weather. <laughs> you need to tell us some stories. Yeah, 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 so yeah. for those of you on the West, watch out for the Hawthorns <laughs> and how they're bent over yeah. like old crones. Yeah. Yeah. That's they're what you fe- need to do. Yeah, OK. Louis Walsh is on the line. Say hello. Oh, gosh, Louis. Uh, Joanna, what a great story. You need to be on TV more often. They need to make the weather half an hour. But I wanted to ask you the question. <laughs> the weather on RTE is boring. They need to jazz it up. What about those guys, the weather guys in the States? They actually have superb CGI effects. They stand in the middle of of of, of, of craters, of firestorms. Of, of Okay, I think I get it, Louis. Yeah, okay. Okay. yeah I do, get that too. And they have do. a budget because we actually... <laughs> RTE weather. We are looking um, at, at, at changing the, the graphics. And, we've, you know, you, you look at getting a... a, a an improved graphic system and you, you send out, you know, let's have a look at other people's graphic system and see how much this one costs. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole television network just for the weather. Yeah, it's a bit and bonkers as well. it's though. got a revenue source that yeah. would probably float Ireland into the yeah. you know, past climate yeah. change. So, Slightly out of yeah, our budget, of course, but it's slightly also a little, it's fantastic, it, 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 though. Isn't well, it? it is and it isn't. It's it's, yeah. it's, it's oh, but also um, at the moment, as mm. we discussed, it's probably going to change. But at the moment, Ireland's climate is quite temperate, mm. so we would have graphics like those guys have of sunshine and showers. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be sunshine and showers today, yeah, some tomorrow, a uh, little few less showers the next day. And you know where they're day. standing and basically a tsunami yeah, know, comes know, over know. there. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> so, not going to happen in Ireland. No, no. Not just yet. Joanna, I've never met you before and uh, it's been a real pleasure meeting you. And actually the whole thing, um, you're kind of the spiritual side to you and everything, um, which, which, which I got in the last 20 minutes and everything, is a really, 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 really interesting aspect to your personality and I really enjoyed talking to you. And thank you for being so 
unselfconscious um, as well um, in coming in and talk to me. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much for giving me this privilege. It's wonderful. Thank you, Joanne. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And my thanks to Joanna Donnelly for coming in and sharing her time and her stories with me. And please do go out and buy her book if you can. It looks like a very interesting read. Um, That's it for this week. Um, Remember, tell one other person if you can about this podcast. Thank you for listening. See you same time next week.